You're listening to a Market Scale software and technology podcast series. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. This is the second episode of a three-part series titled Bringing AI to Businesses with Ben Taylor, Chief AI Officer and co-founder of Ziff Incorporated. All right. Good morning, Ben. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to dig into episode two of your series. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you doing, Daniel? Great. Uh, you informed me recently that you get up at like three in the morning <laughs> every morning, and that just really threw me for a loop. How is that typically? Do you like getting up at the crack of dawn and enjoying the the darkness a bit? I, I really do, because no one's jealous of three a.m. So <laughs> that's it's, true. Yeah. So it's it's good to it's a good time to get work done. Uh, so to, to do that, I do something called polyphasic sleeping. My old boss at higher view introduced me to it. And if you're crunched for time, if you need, a, if you need extra time to get work done, uh, I really enjoy doing that. So it, it just requires that I get two naps during the day to pull that off. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, when I pitched, yeah, let's do this podcast a little earlier. Let's do it at 8 a.m. Central time. I was like, oh, I hope that's not too early. And you said, oh, and that's fine. I'm up by three every morning. So and then I felt like I was the one who was, who was coming in late here. So I don't know. Love it. Um, so let's do a quick recap of the last episode that you were on. So Obviously, we're doing a series here called Bringing AI to Businesses. And in each episode, for our audience, we are exploring a different aspect of bringing AI to your businesses, whether that is convincing um, business owners of the viability of it, um, exploring some of the ethics behind it, uh, digging through some of the toy applications and looking more at what are useful applications of AI for your business. So, Ben, if you want to give our audiences kind of a a short run through of what we already touched on in the first episode before we dive into our new topic today. Sure. So one of the things that we're seeing with AI is there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of material to learn. And so companies and teams that venture down this road, first, they, they don't really know which path to use, what technology to start with. And it's a learning experience. And we do see kind of a gap between the business users and the business use cases and the academic side where I think we're kind of of the opinion now that a lot of the AI problems you see out there, we think of them as being toy problems now because they're they're very simple, the, they're narrow in scope, uh, where business problems tend to be much more complicated. They're looking at more data items and they're focused on, they don't really care about the constraints that the AI researchers have been faced with in the past. That's really difficult because I think as a business owner, you see AI and you see that it has a lot of potential, but oftentimes it's cutting through that fat and finding, okay, what is actually going to bring me value? And that's what we explored in that first episode. I think we got a lot of great insight there. Now it's time to dive into our second episode. And this time we're exploring sort of a twofold question here. One is how do you get, so we're kind of exploring this more from the data scientist's perspective, but one, how do you get a business executive, a business owner, whoever is in charge of pulling the trigger to implement AI to pull the trigger, right? Convincing them of the usefulness. Then once the trigger has been pulled, how do you actually get value out of it? How do you deliver on an AI project? So it's sort of a twofold question here. And I think there's some really exciting stuff we're going to dig into here because to a degree, 
some of the best ways to convince business owners of the potential of AI is to show them something that has nothing to do with their business and really has no practical application at all, but just shows the power of the AI. So kind of hitting back on the last episode, there's a lot of skepticism, which I... I, I don't I don't blame people for that. It's completely justified. Most business executives are not that interested on spending a, a year or two and burning through hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, in capital for a science project. They they have to ship value. They're accountable for that. And so one of the things I've told people that are discouraged because they're having a hard time getting buy-in is there's certain knobs you can play with that will increase the likelihood of getting buy-in on an AI project. So one of them is time. So if you can reduce the time down from 12 months to six months to three months to one month, if you can propose a one-month project, uh, that's much more appealing than kind of a big question mark of to be determined. And then the other thing is uh, cash. So if you can reduce the budget on the project, that also helps a lot. And then the the people, the number of people needed to succeed, uh, that makes it easier. So do everything you can to make the project a fast one, limit the people and the financial resources needed, and try to at least get that first sight of daylight or glimmer of hope within that time period. Right. And I feel like it becomes easier, like you said, to get that information across when you do approach it from a more focused point of view. Um, Though often the big picture is what you want to accomplish with implementing the AI, it's looking at, all right, what can we accomplish in one month? And that way you're not setting your expectations too high you're being a little more realistic with some of the capabilities of AI, and that probably helps the data scientist better explain, here's each step of how AI is going to deliver on blank process for the business owner. Yeah, and I think the other thing I just thought of with the time constraint, it helps to prevent you from, we always um, recommend that someone would crawl, walk, and run. And sometimes there's the temptation to tear down a very ambitious project, but if you have that time constraint, you need to do something quickly within a month, you're, that'll kind of protect you from these big, grandiose projects that end up failing. It's much better for you to get a quick win, do something simple, and kind of level up. Because the, I guess kind of the, the jab and the rib uh, to bring up is a very simple method, like a Bayesian method on some important business indicator is incredibly valuable because today you get zero automation. You get zero insight from that particular step. And so that's kind of a reminder to the data scientists that just just do something very simple. Uh, You don't need to impress the data science community. You need to get a win. We see that sometimes these, because these data scientists, they're, they're very smart. Some of them, you know, they come from backgrounds with, they'll have a PhD in physics or something. They don't like doing some of these things that you would think are simple and easy. They they want to they want to do something a little bit more challenging for them. That's a good problem to have, I think to a degree, right? That just this natural sense of wanting to challenge yourself and at the end of the day, I mean challenging yourself typically would deliver I think a more comprehensive final product, but when you're dealing with bringing AI to a business and you're looking at, okay, we're not doing this to show the power of AI necessarily. We're doing this to meet 
a need. We're using this to meet a requirement and deliver on um, on a client, on a product, right? There's not really a lot of room to experiment or just to to use it as a platform of, oh, you know what, now that I'm here, let me mess around and tinker with some things and really spend time challenging myself on this product. If you can make that happen, great as a data scientist. Like, that's fantastic. But at the same time, you don't want to waste anyone's time. You don't want to mislead whoever you're working for. And you don't just want them to get upset that, okay, why isn't this product delivered? And your answer is, oh, well, I was doing... You know, I I was trying out this really new method for whatever, whatever, you know, and, and it it ends up putting the project back. Yeah, and I, and I don't mean to throw the academics under the bus, but the temptation is there that oh, you were paying for my tuition to learn something else that's not useful for the business. The other thing to think about too is there's a real possibility that the project that is chosen is incorrect. It's not the right project to be working on. I think a lot of companies make mistakes there. And I think some good boundaries or maybe check checkpoints to bring up before you start a project is it's good to get the executive buy-in or the business side because they have they have a pretty good sense of which projects would make the biggest impact to the business. And you'll know you picked a good project if when if that project is successful, there should be urgency to consume it. So imagine an AI project and you finish it and the business side is kind of like kind of a shoulder shrug that, oh, this is interesting. I'm glad you did it. We'll just put this on the shelf for a year or two. You pick the wrong project. But if you pick a good project, then when they see the results, the urgency is what can we do to get this into production before the board meeting or, you know, before next month? The Those are the AI projects you want to have. So that kind of brings me to my next point, which is looking at some of these big projects, ones that don't really have anything to do with AI for a business, and how data scientists might use those to help convince executives to pull the trigger on implementing AI. And the main one I want to talk about is AlphaGo and AlphaGo Zero, which I was looking into, and it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, you have this AI program that learns how to play the classic game of Go, the Chinese game, and AlphaGo, the original, would learn from humans, right? And it was given historical data um, from some of the masters of the game of, all right, this is what they did, this is how they pulled off their strategy, and then the AI obviously, you know, surpassed that. Then it was introduced to the idea of AlphaGo Zero, and this new iteration of AlphaGo Zero demonstrated that an AI can learn and surpass basically anything a human has been able to do without even using humans as the starting point, right? It learned from scratch. So it was just playing itself the entire time and within 40 days, it had already completely destroyed any record of any human player of Go and any other AI player of Go. So it just became the super champion, which is, it's pretty crazy how much technology can improve from one iteration to the next of a project. So I think this project really exemplifies something that a data scientist might be able to show to an executive to maybe better comprehend the timeline of creating an AI project, the astounding capabilities of an AI project. Kind of walk me through a little bit how a data scientist might use something like this to help an executive pull the trigger on something uh, 
something new and fresh for AI in their company. Yeah, there, there's a lot. This is a great example. There's actually a lot going on here to, to for us to pull on. So to just drop this example on an executive's lap isn't really going to do anything for the data scientist, but there are cer- some certain things they can pull on. So one of them that I, I really like bringing up, AlphaGo Zero had no human insight. There was no human features that humans had engineered or thought about to really assist with that um, AI to do as well as it did. And we're seeing this in business, where a lot of times in business, we respect these human features because we've spent two decades coming up with them that a business executive might, they would think that the human features and insight into their business are superior to what an AI might provide. But the thing with humans and the way that we think, we have to bucket complex data sets. We, so think of, you've heard of big five personalities. If I'm doing some type of persona or hiring assessment, I might try to assess you for these five personalities. The reason there's five and not 5,000 is because humans were constrained. You can only do so much research and it's really hard for you to have a continuous number of personalities. But for AI, that's possible. And we've seen this, we've seen the exact same thing with emotion and with, um, you have the emotions on the face and then also phonemes and parts of sound. Humans have discrete ways of understanding data where AI can come in like AlphaGo Zero and find new features that the humans would never be able to find and provide a lot of value for a business. There's one other thing too that's happening there. A business executive, you really need to give them a case study that is so close to home, it's essentially their case study. Like, it, But the problem with that is if you're waiting around for that to happen, I would say you've waited a little too long because if you have these great click-through rate case studies falling on your lap, that means most of your competitors have already, they already have that in production. And sure, every year the bar to, to get into AI keeps going down, but do you want to wait until it's all the way down to the ground floor where you were the last one to adopt. And I, I think you'll see some businesses will and they'll they'll get into trouble because of that because they'll be dealing with market disruption before they have to get AI into production. Right. I mean, do you really think that these sort of... I don't want to call them a toy project in a way to demean them because, I mean, what AlphaGo Zero accomplished is really, really incredible. But at the same time, you know, I think for a business executive, they may not see it as, you know, okay, how is this going to apply to my business? But at the same time, it's it's this strange um, counterintuitive thing where, yeah, actually showing them AlphaGo Zero and the capabilities of what that AI did, you can at least demonstrate the the unlimited capabilities of what AI could bring to your company. So do you really see toy projects like that helping convince executives to pull the trigger? We we have, which has been really surprising. I think a year ago I would have told you no, that would not be that would not be a useful conversation piece. But for us, for some of the marketing pieces we've done, they have no business application at all. So we we did an ABC Bachelor Bachelorette ranking using AI on a new season. We've had executives react to that because it seems like that should be impossible. Why? How on earth could you look at a single face and then predict the season rank and predict the winner? And then the other one that people have reacted to, we, we are showing off some of these genetic GANs where you can 
what we do is we have target models where the AI has been pre-trained to recognize gender, race, age, emotion, attraction, all of these different things about a face. And we can now manufacture these faces to order. And we've had big reactions from that. Um, we've also had reactions from robot apocalypse pieces, like from executives where you think that this has absolutely nothing to do with business. And hopefully it never does, but it may in the future. And even though these executives are smart, they're not going to do a science project. They're still kind of this emotional geek uh, nerve that you can hit on. It doesn't mean they're going to sign up for a year long science project, but you can at least begin to have the conversation about a short-term AI win I would say across the board, most business executives are, they are naive with the current AI capabilities because they kind of, they see it at a high level. They see, maybe they've heard of AlphaGo. I'd say most of them probably have not. Uh, You have self-driving cars that are still having issues. You have some cancer research that, you know, it's it's not really prime time yet. They, They kind of see these points and I think they, they take the stance that AI is not ready. It's not prime time. But if you can show them a few of these examples to startle them and shock them, that opens up the conversation. And what's also great about showing them these kind of projects, especially with AlphaGo Zero, is it's a testament to the power of iterations of versions of AI that, you know, even though we are going to deliver on the first one, that doesn't necessarily mean that is the end all be all. Oftentimes we find something, we change our perspective on how we approach implementing this AI to your business. And that one small change ends up producing magnanimous uh, returns for your company. And so it's that kind of conversation, knowing that AI isn't, you implement it and it's done, but it's a fluid process and that there are versions you need to continue to find the ways that it's going to benefit you uniquely. um, That I think help deliver on the product too because it helps i think executives understand that um you know it's something that can grow with the company yeah i'm really glad you brought that up we we have definitely found in the last couple of years that iterations are key i think a lot of people think with an ai project if you're going to go and do project a it's a one and done attempt you get the data set you build an AI model, you ship it to production, and you go on to the next. And we, our recommendation now, we tell people you're looking at six to seven iterations on the same problem. So let's just round up to 10 and say, if you have a project A, you for it to be incredibly successful, you should be ready to do 10 iterations on that project where you're getting different versions of the data set, building models, reacting to it, and for the partners we've seen that have done that, they, they've they had tremendous success. But if you looked at their first, second, and third iterations, it it was, the results were kind of marginal. They were, they were okay. They weren't transforming their business. So I think we've laid out a pretty solid timeline here. You know, in the first episode, we looked at how do you find useful applications for a business to bring AI into their operations? Then we've just touched on, okay, now that you 
have found the useful applications? How do you convince the executive that they are useful? You know, how, which toy projects can you show them that are going to shock them and get them interested? You know, how do you balance getting them some data that is related to their company, but also not waiting until they're the last ones to join the race? So now we're at a point in the timeline where the data scientist has convinced the executive that they need to pull the trigger. The trigger has been pulled and now it's time to actually go forward with the project. So I think we reach a really important question here, which is how do you actually run an artificial intelligence project? Um, you know, I think there are a lot of steps here. Obviously, there's there's pre-initiation, there's the IT initiation. You have to plan, you have to launch and actually execute, and you have to make sure that the controls of the project are on track. There's a lot to look at here. Uh, so I want to know from your point of view, how should a data scientist approach getting an AI project off the ground and making sure that it actually succeeds, you know, and it doesn't get lost in the clutter of too much data or thinking too big picture without remembering the core goals that the business is trying to accomplish? Yeah. So I think for the project planning that a traditional project manager might push through, I would actually postpone most of that and just assume, let's just assume this project will fail. And what I'm trying to get to is let's just get a validation study. Let's just cross the finish line, data science only, whether or not there's any signal here on new data. So on data that we've never seen before, is this working? Because there's a good chance the answer is no, there's problems with the data, or maybe there's just problems with the problem. This, this is a really difficult problem that can't be solved at all. And so really focusing on that validation study to prove that this model generalizes and on new data, it's useful enough to justify the cost of moving to production because moving an AI model into production is not a trivial thing. Most data scientists lack the engineering and the infrastructure expertise to last mile it themselves. And so they will be involving engineering resources and infrastructure to figure out how do I deploy a model that will have, you know, uptime, it has scaling, it can scale with our load, and it has some type of version integrity to to really, you know, kind of fall into a traditional engineering deployment. That's a whole, that's a world that data scientists are not as familiar with because their work typically stops at a validation study. But let's get to the validation study. Let's prove that this is working. Right. And to a degree, though, you know, it just feels like project management, right? You're looking at how do you deliver on this AI project? You got to make sure that the initiation of it is correct, the implementation, checking on your data to make sure things are in order, looking at is this actually delivering value to the company? It feels like project management just at its core. So how might this be any different? How should you approach AI specifically and an AI project differently than you would some other project in your organization? Some of the things I've talked about in the past, people will reference them as, as being good project management practices or good lean principles, where one of the things I've found that's interesting is if we've decided that we're going to work on project A, can I, can I actually get complete buy-in? So if you're my manager and you're a CTO and you give me a thumbs up, that actually may not be the complete buy-in that I'm looking for. So that buy-in would be who is the end user? Who are the stakeholders? 
is it going to be customer facing? Are customers going to be consuming this model? Because if customers are, then I might want to take results to a customer advisory board before I even do the project. And so one of the things I recommend is figure out who the final consumer is. And for the project, see if you can have some non-committal discovery meeting with them and say, hey, for this particular metric, how would you react if it was 10% better or 20% better? If if this improved by 10%, is this interesting to you? And in a, in a very specific example that I was involved with, we were doing some voice authentication using AI. So can I recognize your voice and can I use that to cons- to prove that you're the same individual for security purposes? And we were doing it to react to a customer request. A few months later, we succeeded with the technology. It was really good. The data science team was excited about it. But then when it actually came back to getting buy-in from the customer, apparently this problem wasn't a big enough problem to justify a cost increase. And taking this project all the way into production, it essentially shelved the project because, well, if the customer's not willing to pay more, the cost of getting this into production is significant enough that it's not going to go into production. And so the takeaway message for me was, well, we should have found that out the first week. You know, what what could we have done to find to find out that yes, if this is successful, it's not worth because a lot of times you can be especially within the data science team or the analytical team within a company, you're talking in a vacuum. So you're getting really excited about some technology or some potential capability, and you're forgetting that who's the consumer. It's this call center rep, or it's this, you know, it's this floor technician, or it's this end consumer. You really need to have some quick cycles and iterations with them. And it's it's very strange for people to think about faking or making up data science or analytical results. Um, but it kind of gets back to that MVP, like lean principles, lean, lean startup. How do you how do you get an MVP in front of them immediately and and really sink that hook for buy-in before you commit resources? Right. Yeah, you don't want to reach the end of a project and realize this is gonna actually cost you double if you want this to bring any value to your company. And they're like, okay, well, then I guess we're just not gonna do it. And then what a complete waste of time. So it's uh, it's all those little things, the pre-planning that I think goes into just any big creative production. Um, it almost reminds me of just putting together a film shoot, right? The the pre-production planning, the storyboarding, the mapping out of the narrative you want to tell is surprisingly very similar to what we're looking at here with AI. You know, you want to deliver on the tangible narrative here. Uh, you know, you, you want to accomplish the goal. What are the little steps that are going to get there? And then once we look at that final goal, you know, what are the steps that are going to make us get there? How much is that going to cost us? You know, what what is the actual value of even spending all this time doing this? It's um it's a tricky balance, but at the end of the day, it's important to have executives and data scientists on the same page here, so that they deliver on quality products and aren't wasting each other's time, basically. Yeah, and the the cost can be significant on an AI project, not just because of the talent and the time meant to implement, but also the production. So taking something like automatic speech recognition into production for your company, people can be very surprised how expensive that is just in cloud resources and compute. 
to service something like that. All right, Ben, I want to thank you so much for coming on this second episode of your series, Bringing AI to Businesses. I think we got a good look here from the data scientist perspective as to how do you convince an executive to pull the trigger. And then once the trigger is pulled, you know, how do you get that project management in order and deliver on a quality product? It's uh, it's a really intricate balance here, but I'm excited that we got this insight today and I'm really looking forward to our next episode, which I think is going to hit home on some of the Mm, more dystopian natures of AI and looking at, you know, how do you balance the ethics of the AI once it's in place and how do you make sure that that stays in line with your uh, with your company's vision. So, Ben, thanks again for coming on. I really enjoyed your insight today. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to the next. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.